This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about National Lampoon's vacation. Gee, Jess, that must have taken you about 50 takes. Nothing to be proud of, Andy. 50 takes. Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hello. And no one else. It's just the two of us. Outrageous. Yeah, I don't really know what to do. It's going to be be a different, more low-key affair, I think. I I go with intimate. Okay. All right. You're fine. (laughs) I'll go with intimate with you. (laughs) Excellent. Um, uh, Before we start the, the pod... Let's just go over a couple of things. Uh, you can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. Uh, we are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can always contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. Our music, which, let's face it, is the best thing about the whole show, is by Skeleton King. Uh, you can find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. So, as previously mentioned, today we're talking about National Lampoon's Vacation. Just a little bit of preamble about this before we get into the the small stuff itself. I was thinking the other day, this film has, what would you call it? It has a higher weight in my life than it perhaps should. It it was a very kind of influential film on me in my my teens, I think. I watched it at just the right slash wrong time. And was I, I was completely obsessed with Chevy Chase. I thought Christy Brinkley was the most beautiful person on the planet. And I think actually more than almost any other film, it kind of informed me about life in America, which is so weird. I know, I completely agree with you. I think um, on the offset, I think this film is more fun than it is good. But actually, it's better than I remember watching it this time around. But you're right. I, you introduced this to me. I'd never heard of it. When you mentioned the name, I thought, what the hell's that? I just didn't know what it was. And this was another world to me. It was as close as to what I thought normal American life was, as a whatever it was, 14-year-old boy, uh, as, as I could imagine. And it was, it was eye-opening. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> It, because we see a lot of American films, right? We see a lot of American entertainment in general in the UK. It seems silly to say that this one film in, informed me about America more than anything else, but it just seemed more normal than everything else because everything else is sort of fantastic. And, yeah. and um, um, It was this and Family Ties. That was it. It was so my, my, yeah. my, my view, my warped view of American life was uh, Alex P. Keaton and Clark W. Griswold. Interesting that they both have middle initials. Very good. W stands for Wilhelm. What, Clark Wilhelm Griswold? Yes. Huh. Yeah. Where did you get that from? I looked it up earlier on. Uh, I was curious. Yeah, I mean, because he mentions Clark W. Griswold it's often. Very, yeah. yeah, it's very often. prevalent. The other thing that I, I wanted to mention about the film is it kicked off my love of Chevy Chase films. Fletch was a big deal for me about the same time, and then obviously Christmas Vacation and whatever. So... Chevy Chase was a big force in my life. But it turns out, actually, um, in retrospect, he's not a particularly nice man to work with. He doesn't get a lot of uh, good press from his uh, co-stars and things. No, no, I I, I gather that. But I, like you, and probably because of you, revered Chevy Chase as being kind of the go-to comedy icon for me 
um, in the kind of mid to late 80s, certainly. God, it's my fault. Sorry. Most certainly, yeah. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to say is that I lived in the US for seven and a half years, traveled around a little bit there. And I think more or less everywhere they go in this film, I have spent some time and I have almost done the drive they do in this film. I have driven literally from Chicago to Phoenix. Excellent. Yeah, going via uh, St. Louis, going via Arizona, like the Sedona area and Grand yeah. Canyon and Monument Valley. And uh, yeah, so plus I lived in Kansas for a while. And uh, and yeah, so it's sort of, I don't, it's indirect and it's probably not connected in any way at all, but it's really quite nice to sort of revisit those places. Uh, yeah, and uh, that... It's funny because uh, I've got some notes here about the opening credits. I have spent some time in the US and, and driven around uh, the Southwest a fair bit and some of the Midwest. And the opening credits resonate so well. A lot of the locations that they um, put up on postcards during the opening credits are quintessentially American in my eyes. I mean, that's, again, probably very obscured eyes. But, um, yeah, it resonates in me a lot when I, when I watch it again. Uh, I can see how these things obviously did exist and why people want to go see them and why people don't. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, for example, the world's second largest <laughs> ball of twine or whatever he, he references at one point. That's exactly And it. the House of Mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned the uh, the postcards at the beginning. I think that's probably quite a good segue to get started with the small stuff. So those postcards, it's a good opening, yeah. a good opening sequence, I think. I think it's great. Uh, I won't skip forward to the the end credits, but they're also great for a couple yes. of different reasons. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think they do a really good job of bookending this movie. The one thing I particularly wanted to mention about the the postcards is that I really like the way, and it's probably a bit of a hokey trick, but I actually I really like the way the final postcard transitions into the actual cityscape of Chicago. I mean, it's it's yeah. um it's a clever trick. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it, when you think about it? But it's done. It's done well. It shows they're thinking about what they're doing, doesn't it? Yeah. The film proper, though, starts with Clark and Rusty going to, <laughs> going to get their new car, which turns out to be the Wagon Queen family truckster. I'm going to try and avoid just saying this bit's great. I love this bit. It's going to be tricky, but we'll try our best. This scene is a perfect introduction to Clark. He obviously trades his, I think he says it's his wife's car Yeah. initially, um, for uh, something of his choice, clearly. And he gets the wrong one. He gets the uh, metallic Pete uh, <laughs> Wagon Queen family truckster. And uh, he's trading his car in, right? So he's obviously got a... Why do they crash it? I don't understand. They immediately destroy what they've just taken in. As, <laughs> well, uh, it's because it's worthless. I don't know. Um, I assume he got money for it. And they've just immediately... Is it worth more for scrap, yeah. do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scrap metal, a yeah. cube of metal rather than maybe anything that else. Maybe in the early 80s, maybe that was true. I Nowadays, prob- it seems insanity. But. Yeah, I think probably it was just to facilitate the joke, to be honest with you. I don't think there was any yeah. rhyme. I, I like the way you said that it introduces us to Clark so perfectly. I think before we even see Clark, the face of the salesman as he sees Clark and Rusty approaching is, is all you need to know. Yeah, he knows the score. He yeah. knows his car's not here and he's going to have to sell him this terrible... Yeah. But Terrible also, boat of a car. He also knows that it's Clark, and it's like, oh god, this is not yeah. going to go very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that uh, 
car salesman that's eugene levy isn't it that's the yeah he's now famous for quite a number of other things but like in american pie and, and what have you mm-hmm. um, yeah one of his i don't know if it's one of his earlier roles but it's the first role i ever saw him in which i think is great yeah i think he was around in the late 70s in a slightly different context but um i think it's the first film i've ever seen him in yeah he's he's great we'll go we'll come back to him good uh, the other thing i wanted to mention about that opening scene is that at one point Clark says to Rusty, say goodbye to the old gas guzzler, Russ. And Russ doesn't obviously doesn't understand what Clark's talking about because he says goodbye to the guy, <laughs> <laughs> the guy that comes along to take it away. Is that like, Davenport? Right, Davenport? No, no, it's a different oh, guy. A different guy is it? Yeah, but he obviously, he doesn't know what gas guzzler means. He just says goodbye to the, the guy, which is brilliant. He says, see you later. Oh, and the other thing is uh, when, when Clark, this is, we talked about Chevy Chase a few minutes ago. This is the, the genius physical comedy of Chevy Chase. When he threatens to take his business elsewhere, he does a little head nod. Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you think of that, buddy? I'm going to yeah. take my business elsewhere. He's like throwing the ball into his court. That's my position, what you got back. Yeah. And then, of course, he gets Davenport. Like, what's happened? And Davenport's like, I don't know. And then he's like, oh, I know what happened. Yep. He didn't come in. It's like <laughs> the stupidest. Then they uh, they bring the car home. So I really like this. So we get to see the family, I guess, for the first time in the series. And you see, as he pulls the car up into the to the front of the house, Audrey comes by. She's, she's just coming into the, the driveway on a bike. Yep. And one of the first things she says is, Dad, is this really our car? Yeah. And she's distraught. She hates it straight away. Clark, is that the right car? No, it isn't, honey. I uh, I changed my mind. They flattened our old car like a pancake. Are you serious? Is, is this really our car, Dad? And then Clark's making out like it was his choice that they changed the car. And all the time, the car's just... <clears throat> on, it's still running. It's just a piece of garbage yeah. from the get-go. And then he gets in and the airbag goes off. And why doesn't he just take it back? It's terrible. I don't understand. Well, he doesn't have a choice, though, does he? Because he's the, the whole, they're taking the whole family across country. Molly World, this <laughs> it's this car or you don't go on holiday. It, it drives me mad. I'm thinking, dude, just take it back, go get the. You see, they had like four lined up. Yeah, get another one. I'll get an alternative. I mean, it's a terrible car, but yeah. just pick the next one on mm. the line. The the scene when they're in in the house, uh, Clark and Helen are doing the dishes. I love the way they do the dishes. Ellen scrapes the food off the plate. Clark wipes the dirty plate with a tea towel and puts it back in the cupboard. Yeah, they're not washing. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I often make a joke about that whenever I end up doing the dishes or like on on Christmas or other family gatherings. I always say, let's let's just do it like the Griswolds. Or not, because it's disgusting. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention about the the scene in the house is uh, they use the... um, they used the computer to do the, the the trip. It was it was clearly in a time when people had no idea how computers worked or video games. It was just like apparently you can <laughs> you can control the the video game sprites with uh, the video game controller while your dad's on the computer. It was just it doesn't so make funny. any sense because <laughs> Russ and Audrey are on this in television, I think it is, yeah. and Clark's on some God knows what that is um, ancient thing. Why is why suddenly they're able to to kind of hack the computer yeah. with the Intellivision to the point where they can eat the truckster? Brilliant. Well, that's what I mean. They could get away with it because people had no idea how any... It was technology. They yeah. didn't know how it worked. It's so good. Yep. So you mentioned the, the, the way the car runs when they pull up to the house. Mm-hmm. That was going to be the next thing I was going to talk about. When they're uh, 
the first time they're in the car and they're <laughs> doing the singing, the, the car is squeaking constantly. No, no, I, that is so good. I love yeah. it. It's completely, no one mentions it at all. Uh, <laughs> it's just in the background, squeaking the entire time. As if, you know, yeah, this car's crap. It's like, it's like you pointed out to me years ago in Star Trek and the, the Next Generation, you can always hear the hum of the Enterprise in yeah. the background and it becomes, you become sort of uh, immune to it because it's just there. But it's, it's a nice sort of touch. And it's a bit like that, isn't it? It's just the, <laughs> the squeak of the truckster rather than the hum of the Enterprise. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you have anything else to say about the, that first scene in the car? No, it's funny, on my notes, um, that was the bolded note I wanted to mention. But I also wanted to mention uh, Beverly D'Angelo's voice. Oh, yes. It's incredible in that scene. I I was reading earlier on today, actually, uh, apparently they weren't supposed to sing. um, And it was something they were doing, passing time, her and Clark, her and Clark, um, her and Chevy were doing uh, just to pass the time. And it was so good, they decided to include it or, or embellish their characters with the fact that they would sing. They do it yeah. so well. I mean, there's, yeah. they're harmonising and yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. That takes us to the, the stop in the first gas station where Clark can't find the gas cap. This is my favourite, probably my favourite physical comedy moment in the movie. <laughs> He's such an oaf. Clearly, I mean, we've all done it, right? We got into a rental car or a new car. We're not entirely sure where to fill uh, the tank. And I guess with, with older cars, they were more creative with where they put the fuel tank. And I know that the woman who, who drives up next to it's got the, the, the tanks in the back, which is hugely dangerous. And I think that car ended up being a fireball a lot of times. But anyways, he's, he's searching around for the, the filler cap and um, sees that they take the, the rear one down and yeah. decides that's a good idea. It must be this. Even though it's not coming off, it must he be this. He rips that sucker right off. And he, before, before he does that, though, he's, he's prodding bits with the, the hose and the cables or the pipe is tangled around his legs. Yeah. He's just bad at it. And then, of course, he you know, whips it off and float, throws the, uh, the plate and it almost hits the woman on the head. She doesn't really react. No, because why, where the hell does this come from? <laughs> he smacks a car. Brilliant. I think that's, it just speaks to the genius of Chevy Chase's physical acting that he can, he can do something that looks so inept but he does it so well. Like being able to do something well but look bad is uh, it, it was a talent. Yeah, we talked about that, didn't we, in uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. He does some inept things very, very well uh, to the point where it's believable. Uh, you can believe that someone could accidentally do these things. It's yeah. very clever. Going back to the car with the um, gas tank in, in the, behind the number plate, my mum's got the first car I remember my mum having was a DAF. And it had, it, that's where the, the filler cap was in that, Such behind the number plate. Idea. So you had to fold the number plate down. and A lot of the times the tanks are in the back. Of course, if you're in an accident, people oh, like manage a, the back. A, a lot of bender. times there, these cars burst into flames. Well, well, we glad they they didn't. don't do it anymore. No. They uh, spend a little bit of time in St. Louis. and They do. Yeah, I just wanted to mention when they're crossing the Mississippi. So The old Miss. I, I, yeah, the... <laughs> I know Chris has done this a few times in previous podcasts and I've mentioned it as well. There are certain things in certain movies that you kind of take with you and you you do really like some quotes that you often use and things. So I have, sounds ridiculous, I'm not trying to brag, but I have crossed the Mississippi a number of times. My wife's family live in Illinois. I lived in Missouri and Kansas and Iowa. And so we were back and forth quite a lot. And so, yeah, we crossed the Mississippi a lot. I'm pretty sure every time I cross the Mississippi, I would say 
from the mighty Mississippi. The old myth. The old man. Dad, what river is this? Ah, that's the Mississippi. The mighty Mississippi. <laughs> the old miss. The old man. Deep river. My home is over Jordan. And then do the whole thing. Yeah, I say internally when it's mentioned anywhere, I, I almost, well, sometimes I do start singing. It's ridiculous um, because of this line and this, yeah. this piece of song by Chevy. But um, they, do, uh, they do mention the St. Louis Arch, mm-hmm. of course, and he says you can go to the top. I have been to the top of that, and it's terrifying. You're in a little, I've done it as well, you're in a little yeah. pod, aren't you? A little capsule. It's like a washing machine. It's mm. like a round thing. That so, yeah, up. you share a washing machine with a couple of strangers, basically. And yeah. But you, you're a lot taller than me. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of headroom at the top there, is no. there? Yeah. No, it's a great thing. It, I mean, it's... Can you still do it? Is it still open? Well, yeah. And they've got a great museum. Well, I mean, I say still. I, I haven't been to St. Louis for a while, but I mean, it's a few years, I guess. Uh, it was, yeah, it was still there. Still mm. a nice museum down below. Yeah, yeah. It's a great architectural thing <laughs> yeah so he got, he's after he's singing or what rather when he's referring to uh the mississippi he's he's talking about it as if he's some old river worker like a kind of romantic relationship with a river it's like trying to kind of laminate this this layer of history and hardship that he spent yeah. with the river <laughs> oh but and then he's and then he's so dismissive about when rusty says can we go up the st louis arch he said nope yeah so quickly and, brings it back down to earth. Then they cross the Mississippi, and then they... Um, I'm trying not to say the old Mississippi, the old yeah, man. Yeah. They take the wrong turn. Yeah. And his comment makes no sense from any navigational perspective at all. Oh, when he says, what's the difference as long as we get across the river? Yeah. What? <laughs> Why is that? Well, it, um, Clark's flippancy comes up quite often. I've got yeah. a couple of things to say about it later on. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's he's strangely overconfident at times, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Until he's not, and then yeah. suddenly he's sheepish and yeah. crawls back into his shell, doesn't he? There we are. So I feel like we at least need to acknowledge the what is, in hindsight, a pretty horrendous sequence in in like a well, the plight of the city, as yeah. uh, as Clark calls it. Um, it's not even just casual racism, is it? It's it's. It's just racism. I think it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I feel like it's... I think the sad fact is, actually, forget what's, you know, the, the, the racism that clearly is being displayed. It's actually a relatively funny scene. I know. That's what um, I was thinking. It's relatively funny. You know, the fact that they're lost. They're in a suburb of, of a city and they're asking a guy who who doesn't know, but he's taking them for a ride with the money. and And none of that needs to... You can do that very easily um, without the characters and the portrayal of those yeah. characters. So it's a shame. You look at it now and you think you probably shouldn't, you know, you probably shouldn't keep that in now if you're going to watch show it on TV. Maybe they do. I don't know if they cut it, um, which is a shame because I think actually the sentiment is funny, but it's just it's horrifically yeah, the, done in today's the, light, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I agree. I was thinking exactly the same thing. The jokes are funny but they 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 miss on everything else unfortunately yeah so i was i wasn't going to do this but i do have to mention it so it's been a long time since i've seen this film it is it has always been one of my favorite comedies but it has been a long time but i was finding myself laughing out loud 
more than I was expecting to. Mm-hmm. And it took me by surprise. The, possibly the scene that I laughed out loud the most to was when they were sleeping in the car and the camera pans to Clark and he's fast asleep. <laughs> I mean, it's not even that clever of a joke, no. but it's executed so well. It's done exceptionally well, isn't it? It's a lesson to all you folks. Take breaks when you drive because that can happen. Admittedly, not so amusingly, I suspect. Yeah. But um, but they kind of ape on that, don't they, in Christmas Vacation when they, they end up in the, the parking lot for the, the Christmas tree yeah, when they fun, have the when they have the crash, yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, it's man, what a guy! Mm. They do finally get to the motel. There's a slightly lewd scene of Ellen in the shower, but then they they head back to bed. And call me naive, but are those, those beds a thing? A coin-operated kind of vibrating bed? Vibrating beds? Is yeah, that a thing? I, I don't really know the point, but I've I've seen them elsewhere. Well, <laughs> well, okay, no, but even even in that context, it doesn't. No, anyway, that uh, that bed goes horribly wrong, and they end up on the floor. And then there's a lovely little bit when um, Clark's pretending not to know where Ellen is, and he starts to point with his thumb to the bathroom. And she goes, "Oh, I'm down here," and he kind of casually withdraws his thumb. The point becomes a scratch at that point, doesn't it? It's great. I just wanted to mention, but just before that, and this is another thing that I I try to do occasionally. Uh, if I'm ever pouring wine. I will almost always do the the Clark Griswold wine pour. He sort of twists his wrist at the end of the pour, but he it's really a, overdoes it. It's yeah, great. it's a moment, it's a it's a flourish of class from from Clark, isn't it? Well, yeah, is it class? Uh, he's trying at least. Uh, okay, he's he's yes, he's he's aware that something should be done mm-hmm. with a flourish. They then find themselves, not find themselves. They go there. It's intentional. They go to Dodge City. <laughs> I wanted to mention, again, it goes back to how dismissive Clark is sometimes. There's a couple of moments. He talks about how <laughs> how Rusty says the Old West was, is, oh, no, he says it seems dirty and touristy. Or I think Ellen says that. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, oh, well, the Old West was dirty. Yeah. Well, oh, OK. So it's authentically. <laughs> <laughs> authentically dirty. Yeah. And then he does the same when he says he's a, Rusty says he's a crummy wired up. He's wearing jogging shoes. And he goes, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they used to, Russ. No, they didn't. I, I, I've done this with my kids. They ask, they say things, and I pretend to be wise and 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 you know a hardy traveller and explain that this is the way because it's easier than explaining it's not the way or it's not normally like that because this place is cheap and rubbish. I've, I've kind of built this up to you in my in my uh, in our uh, plans to come to this place. And when you ask questions that are awkward, I give you bad answers. But I know they're going to stop you talking, and I feel he's doing that quite a lot. Yes, he's just yeah, he's just keeping the kids quiet, basically, isn't he? We see a classic example of him being overly confident and then immediately not when the guy pulls the shotgun. <laughs> I feel like we could we could do this with Chevy Chase the whole time, and we more or less have. Again, his physical comedy when he checks himself to see yeah. whether he actually is all right is amazing. He jumps up and says, "I'm okay," like re- reveals himself from behind yeah. the bar. And then Audrey's deaf, and he said, oh, what's the difference? It was fun anyway. I think it's a line he uses in, in Christmas Vacation, or I think when Audrey's eyes oh, freeze. She'll let, see it later, Clark, yeah. her eyes yeah. are frozen. It's a similar sentiment anyway. They go, what is it, Coolidge, Kansas? Where yes, it is. To see, um, I guess Catherine is Ellen's sister. sister. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they meet the whole, they meet the whole gang. So... We know because we've done these movies out of order and you've all seen them, right, that Eddie's vile, right? He's just an unpleasant mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. I think actually he's made 
worse. I say made worse. Obviously, this is the first time we've seen him. He's worse in this film than than Christmas Vacation. Ooh, so, that's debatable. But no, go I on, carry on. Off, yeah. So when we first see him, he's, he's drinking beer, right? <laughs> and not only is he drinking beer, he's he's carrying kind of the plastic ring holder for a six-pack, what you call them, you know, the thing that holds yeah, the I cans together. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a six-pack. There's a can dangling off there. It's just it's chain drinking. I guess he yeah. just will start the day, pick up a six-pack and just go through them. He also he also asks Clark if he wants one, and then gives him the one that he's just been yeah. slurping out of, which I Lovely. love. Yeah, yeah. The reason I say I think Eddie's worse uh, than he is in later films is, you know, there's that mention of um, I forget his daughter's name actually, but he, she mentions the French kiss, and yeah, yeah. Daddy says it's vile. I don't. I that's. I, I do not like that. I, no, it's not. It's right. very uncomfortable. Well, you know, we talk about the scene in St. Louis earlier. Uh, there's there's a two or three other scenes that make me yeah. feel a bit. It's it's aged yeah, it's in bad. some ways really, really badly. And again, I think if they put it on normal, I say normal, like broadcast, TV. Yeah. broadcast television now, that those things would not be in it. So I think in the, in the cold light of day, he's 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 a nasty piece of work. Mm. Uh, and I think they soften him and make him more comedic in the later films. Yeah, possibly. To, to kind of move away from the fact that he's... Um, he probably should be behind bars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, there is a one solitary moment of something that is bordering on tragedy in this film. And, and when I'm not talking about Aunt Edna dying, because that's pure comedy. <laughs> no, it's there's the conversation between Catherine and Ellen in the kitchen. Oh God! And, yeah. and Catherine, I mean, it's actually it's actually quality acting. Yeah. Because she says, <laughs> when the baby comes. Eddie says, I can quit one of my night jobs. And the, her voice jobs. slightly wobbles yeah, and you yeah. can see the distress in her. But like, this this is not the life I wanted. Or I mean, it's, it is tragic. Mm. And it's Eddie. Eddie says, I can quit one of my night jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Incidentally, yeah. when they do first arrive, Eddie tries to kiss Ellen. <laughs> and we see, we've seen this in Christmas Vacation. Yep. She's doing everything she can to avoid him. Uh, quite amusingly so actually yeah um, brilliant but yeah that happens again obviously in the, the later movies so it happens in in the departure scene as well when they're trying to leave yeah yeah she's yeah. she's avoiding it and then we have um the arrival of edna so there's a barbecue going on outside without any meat apparently uh i have no idea what a hamburger helper is no obviously yeah. Mar- it's, yeah i don't know no idea but he's grilling that and putting it straight into buns i just wanted to mention the one triumphant thing of this scene is Eddie's shirt. Yes. It's immense. I mean, congratulations. Because it's, 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 it's also terrible, but in a really stylish way. So it's brown, right? With and with blue, like swooshes, blue yeah. and cream swooshes on yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to possibly mention it in Coolest Look, surprisingly. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a highlight of that scene. I was immediately <laughs> drawn to his uh, his shirt, but there we are. I don't wear shirts like that, incidentally, folks. Mm. But uh, I wish I was brave enough to. But um, yeah, Eddie's you shirt. You should. It's good. I'd back you up if you wore Thanks, a shirt man. like that. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything to say about when they leave? Only in that the dog. I've never seen an animal hate a person as much as that animal hates Clark. <laughs> okay. It's very good. It's good comedy, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously they, that plays out a little bit more. And we see the shoes again, don't we? The uh, the I say again, we've done this in the wrong order, right? Yep. But um, the shoes that make a later appearance in Christmas Vacation uh, originate uh, right here, right here. Um, 
And it's it's great because you know exactly what's happened. Yeah. That Clark has said to Eddie in a previous meeting, ironically, mm-hmm. hey, Eddie, I like your shoes. <laughs> and the irony has completely gone over mm-hmm. Eddie's head. And he's like, right, Clark likes these shoes. I'm going to get him a pair. <laughs> and then the way he's, he slams the door on Edna's face to shut her up <laughs> is so good. So you mentioned the dog. Uh, there's... The sequence when they stop at the rest area and they, um, they're having the sandwiches, the, the unfortunate sandwiches, and Ellen tells Rusty to stop playing with the dog. And he's, he's like trying to, trying to tie the dog to a tree. But the dog is just just oh, like pulling at his jeans and it just oh, it's so good. It's, it's great dog acting. <laughs> I did read um, that Chevy Chase adopted that dog afterward. Oh. So I don't, I mean... Okay, Whether maybe he's not such not, a bad guy. But, you know, obviously the dog was acting about the the amount of hate it had for mm. him. Um, good dog but acting. But it's, it's really good dog acting, mm-hmm. if that's a thing. Yep. The wet sandwiches scene. Anyone who knows me will know there's there's little I hate more than wet bread. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing seeing Edna just go ahead. She knows. Oh, she knows they're wet. She knows why they're wet, but she just oh, she just chows down on it, and it makes me want to vom. I hate it. Yeah, I'm with you. That's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Edna uh, comes up a little bit later on in my notes because um, after they visited Camp Comfort, <laughs> and they're getting the the oh, unfortunately the, the the scene where Clark is uh, tying the dog to the rear bumper as Rusty is helping Edna up the hill. Edna's screaming at him. Mm-hmm. She says. You're tearing my dress. She's not wearing a dress. <laughs> She's wearing like a slacks and a top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a horrible, horrible woman. Mm. Uh, so well, we know the fate of the dog. Um, it, it is, it is unfortunate, uh, and I'm sure that scene might come up later on in one of the categories. But I did want to mention the um, the second appearance of the red Ferrari and Christy Brinkley. Yeah, because there is a moment. I mean, you know, Christy Brinkley, gorgeous, an incredible model. She was a big deal at the time. Really bad actor. There is a yeah. moment when yeah. the Clark sort of she overtakes him, and then Clark like tries to catch up with her again. Mm-hmm. And she looks over and she gives a surprised face look, and it is so bad. It is like a. Oh yeah! It's I mean, like, I'm, I'm it's I'm I'm literally doing it, and it's a an audio medium, so you know it's not coming across on the audio. Obviously, it was pretty but, bad, folks. I yeah, can tell yeah. you that much. Uh, anyway, uh, it's unfortunate, and she, uh, yeah, she, there's a couple of moments later on as well in the bar uh, scene, which again, yeah, it's it's canned acting, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. right now, do this, yeah. now do that. Yeah, yeah. Here's the face you should be making. Mm-hmm. I think this is her first screen appearance, though, right? Uh, yeah, and she was an actor. I mean, yeah. she, it, she was there for different reasons. I think um, she's still doing some work on screen. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I haven't investigated her acting career, so I apologise to Christy Brinkley if I'm being overly harsh. But yeah, her first role, unfortunately, but it didn't didn't change like teenage me from thinking she was like the best thing since sliced bread. Driving a cool car as well, wasn't she? Oh my god, that car! Yeah. So I, I think I don't know. Obviously, there have been a lot of great Ferraris over the years. But I still think that's probably my favourite. It just maybe it's just because it was a. You know, I think probably either that one or a similar one was in Magnum at so the same it's a time. Three hundred eight GTS yeah. is that the same as Magnum has? Well, he either either had the three hundred eight or the three hundred two eight, but I don't know which. Mm. And 
they look similar. Yeah. And it's just it's just a gorgeous looking car, especially it when, it, as well, isn't it? when it's alongside the family yeah, truckster. Yeah. It just looks absolutely amazing. Interestingly enough, I was um I was just reading around this a little bit and I forgot Vegas Vacation existed, frankly. Oh, yeah. But she's in that as well. Really? Well, exactly. You've seen Vegas Vacation, but you've blanked it from your memory. It's mm. that bad. But the same thing happens. And again, I, I, I quickly checked it out on YouTube. So he's driving. Again, I can't say when, from where, and to go where he's going. But they're in some kind of crap minivan. Uh, and then the same thing happens. She rocks up in a Ferrari. And it's broadly the same. But it's a considerably worse Ferrari. Oh. I don't know what it... I didn't have the time to go check out which one it was. But it was like a really square... I don't know, late 80s, early 90s thing. It was vile. But anyway, yeah. So she reprises her role. Okay. Then, I mean, I th- we're sort of skipping ahead, but not very far because uh, they have the the real... Because they nearly crash when uh, Clark nearly runs into the, the truck coming the other way when they have the second meeting with the girl in the red Ferrari. But then they do crash for realsies mm-hmm. uh, when they're trying to find the Grand Canyon. Yeah, so... What's nice about this is it's a well-filmed crash, I think. Mm. I think it's really so, you know, obviously it's no one would actually do this because no one's that stupid. But, well, I don't think they are. But the fact that when a car's going through the air, it's relatively slow motion and it lands quite steeply on, on the front and the front bends up in a fashion where I've seen on the Dukes of Hazard, right? And the Dukes of Hazard just drive away and the mm-hmm. car's magically fine, mm-hmm. despite the fact the front has been stoved and yep. bent in half, frankly. But it's actually relatively convincing. The car, when it's on the ground or smashed up, looks like it has just been through that accident. So that was encouraging. And then, I mean, this this bit's it's a goldmine of uh, little, little stuff for me. Um, <laughs> I think my favourite bit is when... Well, there's a couple of bits. Firstly, the, the the airbag, which previously went off because he sneezed near it or something when he had first had the car, doesn't get doesn't go off at all until he opens the door to get out. Yep. And the reason he's getting out is because he says he's going to go check under the hood. Uh, so he gets out and proceeds to climb onto the roof completely. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I got that in my notes. Why does Clark get on the roof? I don't. I don't, I don't know because it's it's only then I think when Rusty. Says he's, you know, must have jumped this thing 50 yards. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's got up to see. To survey his fine work, yeah. It does make you wonder why, after going through the road clothes sign, why did Clark keep his foot on the gas? Mm. But it, it is a thing that happens. I've watched, yeah. I've watched enough Fail Army to know that people drive into shops and buildings and when, they're, right. not, when they're not meaning to. Panicking and then yeah. put the throttle down before, yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it does happen. Clark clearly decides that he's got to go save the day. And he <laughs> he takes Rusty up to a, a, like a perch on the edge of a little hill and they have a chat. And actually, I think this is quite touching. We mentioned yeah. it a little bit with um, with, with Christmas Vacation and how he's, he's trying to pull on the, the sentimental your sentimentality a little bit but i actually think this is more successful here because i think the speech he has with with russ is is actually the sort of i can imagine having that conversation with my son and after very, when you crashed well no no yeah. forget <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly well i hope not but it's just a send up essentially you know we're going through a bit of a nightmare here and I'm i'm looking to you to look after the family i'm going to go off 
and and try and save the day and then he starts to weep and it's actually pretty good acting i yeah. think i think it's it's pretty good it's it's quite convincing and it's clear from that to me anyway that and we said it again before that he's just a, a chap with a family constantly trying to do the best he can yeah and for whatever reason some of it self-inflicted others just bad luck it all goes wrong almost all the time well, I think that's the point, isn't it? He tries too hard. He He's so desperate to be a good dad that he loses sight of reality quite often. I mean, he, he runs off into the middle of a desert yeah. with no sign of anything anywhere. He just runs off in a random direction. <laughs> yeah. Before that, that happens, though, because we'll get to that. Before mm. that happens, at the end of the chat with, with Russ, they're just littering. Yeah, they're just, I, they're just throwing their cans down, and there's something else I think he throws down as well. That's not cool, is it, guys? It's just not, no littering is not, not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> Don't do that. But then Clark does wander off into the wilderness. <laughs> I'm sure this sort of thing happens all the time. Do you think? <laughs> what sort of thing what <laughs> i don't i don't understand it so i love this little vignette uh of firstly wh- where's he going so, exactly. uh, so he just picks a direction and walks but i don't think he's even going in a straight line as far as i can tell he just seems to be winding around things he's clearly the sun's getting to him the heat's getting to him he's, he's clearly going slightly mad and then we see that the dudes on horses sp- <laughs> spot him and they just call him an a-hole, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Yep. Right? They, and I assume these are the guys that eventually rescue the family because yeah, yeah. they mention it, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They leave him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they leave. They purposely leave him. <laughs> Go find his family uh, and save them, which I think is a nice touch. But tell me, so he's getting hot and sweating and he clearly thinks he's going to die because he keeps saying, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm dead. He takes his hat and his watch off. <laughs> The watch Why bit is brilliant. He's, he's falling down that sandy bank yeah, yeah. and he flings his hat away, which is a terrible idea, but his watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he really wang, wings it across the sand as well, which is great. Yeah. They do finally get back together again and Clark is all right. Uh, and then we're going to skip ahead a little bit, I think, because we want to talk about when poor Aunt Edna dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously she they realise she's dead. Um, it's a slightly amusing bit where Clark squeals and they, they drive off the road and stop and they all dive out immediately. And clearly Clark's coming up with all manner of crazy ideas on how he can save the holiday. <clears throat> There's a brief suggestion that they just leave her there. <laughs> and there's a, there's a fact, I said I wasn't going to do this, but there's a great line from Russ where he says, uh, well, He'd find her easily. All he'd have to do is look for the buzzards. <laughs> she must have passed away somewhere near Flagstaff. What are we going to do, Clark? Well, we could leave her here in the first phone we pass. We could call your cousin Normie and he could come and get her, I guess. That's the meanest, coldest. Well, what do you want me to do? Call Federal Express? Mom, we don't have to ride with the dead person, do we? Please say we don't. Yeah, come on, Mom. It'd be real easy for Cousin Normie to find her. All they have to do is look for the buzzards. I mean, it's the most heartless thing that but anyone's Russ, ever Russ said. He's very serious about it as yeah. well. He does not want to get back in that car. So I, I, I like that line. He was just thinking practically, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, I think the uh, he's lost the, the sight of reality at this point, hasn't he? <laughs> because he says, doesn't he? Clark says, we're going to have three days at Wally World, but best three. Yeah. 
Like that's the thing that really matters at this yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, the, the solution they actually pick is equally terrible. It's funny enough, I didn't, when I first saw this, I didn't really realise how bad it was treating um, someone who's recently died in the way that they do. Yeah. But watching it again, I was like, man, really? Well, I don't know if we'll keep this in, but I'm going to say it anyway, just because mm-hmm. it's... My mum's in a care home, you know, she's not doing yep. well at all. She <clears throat> she recognised me, but we couldn't really converse at all yep. when I last saw her. But I did tell her I watched National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Bear in mind, I was with my mum for half an hour and she probably said about six things yeah. the whole time. And most, most of those six things didn't make, didn't make any sense at all. When I told her I'd watched National Lampoon's Vacation, yeah. she said, oh, with, with her on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, <laughs> yeah. it is a uh it's a poster child for that film isn't it yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the kind of memorable image which is a bit sad in itself but uh yeah it's it's horrible she's like sat upright clutching her, her purse kind yeah of her purse. handbag yeah definitely <laughs> so all of that all of that stuff leads to them having uh, clark has a rant in the car and then at the motel, they have an argument and Clark storms off with his white shoes. And he goes down to the bar and um, he sits. Clearly, he's looking for some company. He probably just wants a conversation, but he sits. Do you think? I, I think so. Okay, all right. He, he just wants a chat, yeah. right? And he sits, at, I think he's at a table first or is it the bar? No, he Forget. sits at the bar first. And he must say five words to this woman. He was, I don't know what he says, but she's immediately offended by his presence. I think I read his lips for the first thing. I think he says, can I buy you a drink? But then I can't, I didn't make out what he said after that, but it was enough to go, no way, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know how you can be that unpleasant to anyone, frankly, and get that reaction so quickly, but there we are. So there's a, there's some quite energetic piano playing going on in that bar. It's like slightly over Mm -hmm. the top, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a crappy motel, and there's a pianist there, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Turns out that guy, Lorenzo Salviati, Amazing. I think his name is, yeah. at the time was Beverly D'Angelo's husband. Oh, okay. Piano player extraordinaire. Well, in the uh, in the coolest look category, I have mm. piano player, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Are. Not because I, I think he's got a cool look. I just didn't know where else to put it. Mm-hmm. He's Because he's got a, a cigarette holder. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah, he does. Yeah, like what they had in the twenties. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's him. Not that's a good look, uh, mate. Beverly Giangelo's husband at the time. Okay. Wow. All right. Fair play. What's his name? Lorenzo. What? Lorenzo Salviati. I'm okay. pronouncing that terribly badly. I suspect. But shortly after that, they go out to the swimming pool, and it's one of my favourite sequences. I think is when Clark is boasting about his swimming. Could and have been his, in the Olympics. Yeah, his yeah. monologue about how he's proficient at many strokes and he dives. As a matter of fact, I could have been in the Olympics. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not confident talking to women, is he? Just no. And then the brilliant the brilliant thing that is that it's then followed by him actually diving into the pool and it's a disaster. It's, it's a, a terrible dive. I mean it's the sort of dive I would do. Mm-hmm. But and I am not proficient at many strokes. I like his bobbing walk as he's walking towards yeah. the pool. A sort of fake, confident yeah, yeah. stride or strut, I should say. Oh, but I yeah. forgot. He took third in the state final in his senior he year. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you going to go for it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, here? For starters. Sure. Why not? Don't you swim? Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, I took third in the uh, state finals in my senior year, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I swim heck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling completely at ease in the water. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm proficient in many strokes, and I dive. As a matter of fact, I could have been in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be right there. Yeah. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. How's the water? Exhilarating. <laughs> I'm in deep. I'm in deep. I literally got written down here. Clark does a terrible dive. Oh, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Because yeah. he then does another terrible dive when he goes swimming with Ellen. With Ellen. Yeah, yeah. It's equally bad, isn't mm-hmm. it? Going back to how this film has sort of had a, a an unnecessarily large influence on my life. Uh, there's a couple of other... Th- when they are arriving at Wally World, there's a couple of things that Clark says that I say often. When there's a moment when things are getting a bit exciting, or, you know, you're, I don't know, you're on holiday and you're, you're coming up to your destination or something exciting's happening, like at a football game or something, <laughs> I quite often say, don't get too much sun. Because <laughs> that's what Clark says. Yep. Just for, for, <laughs> for no reason. You know. He's just reminding his family, don't get too much sun, which I love. And then they arrive, and they're the first ones there. First one's here. Yeah, first one's here. First one's here. And to be honest with you, that's that's all I've got for the rest of the film. I mean, as good as the the next sequence is, I don't have much else to say about it. No, there's some funny lines and stuff, but um, we'd be here all night. I I like the guy who plays Roy Wally. Yeah, I think he's he's, very good, isn't he? He's sweet. I did read, actually, they, they... they have an original ending, and I don't know. I did read what it was. I think they ended up taking Roy Wally hostage in his own house, which I think they then sort of use in, in Christmas Vacation. Yep. But as I understand it, that didn't go down too well with test audiences, so they hastily refilmed the end. Uh, and that's when they got John Candy involved. Oh, really? Yeah, because huh. I don't think he was in, originally in it, and they paid. Paid him a million dollars for that, which you know, 40 years ago was an absolute fortune. That's outrageous, isn't it? I think it was, yeah, I suspect the end felt pretty hard with the test audience and then yeah, they thought yeah. they should... Um, we need to do something about this. Something quite drastic. So they got John Candy in to play the uh, the security guard very well, I think. so. But yeah, I've got nothing specific other than the fact that it's, it's fun. I think the ride footage is, is actually really good. It mm. feels genuine. Yeah. You know, some of this stuff nowadays doesn't feel genuine they they clearly look like they're on that ride and yeah. are terrified or enjoying it or what have you and i love the way on on a couple of the rides the kids are having fun and clark is still holding the gun and yeah. looking around suspiciously as if uh you know he's got to make sure that everything is still uh, yeah. safe or whatever he's got to keep check on that magnum pi yeah he? did you want to say anything about the the end credits yeah i alluded to it earlier uh i think the end credits do a equally good job of tying the movie up Mm. so essentially it just does a uh, a scene by scene replay in the form of coast coast guards postcards um with the cast of that particular location or scene and i think that's really nice and what caps it off for me is that they then the last card is is Clearly, oh, right, okay, they clearly went home on the plane because it's the family on a plane with Wally World hats yeah. on looking happy. So we, we're happy in the knowledge that they, they fly home, uh, assuming they just 
leave the trucks to there because why wouldn't you? Yeah, because it's a disaster. Uh, and they live happily ever after until the next encounter. Then yeah. they go to Europe. Uh, the less yeah. said about that. We probably won't be covering European vacation on this podcast. Unless we, unless we're going for a lot of episodes and we run out of stuff to talk about, <laughs> unless we run out of movies, yeah. <laughs> but never say never. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a break. Before we do the main categories, let's just do the quick hits. Uh, there are no uses of binoculars, so we Agreed. can't check to see whether it was done correctly in POV. In terms of bad ways to die, so there are two deaths in this film. Dinkums, or Dinky, and Edna. I feel like it's... it's <laughs> no, not a contest, this, is it? Well, it's, it's Dinky, right? Yeah. It's, I t- it's a horrendous way to die. Yeah. Tough little mutt. Yeah. Yeah, I just... <laughs> this is the second film in a row where a dog has died. I mean, Chris m- contends that Pippet doesn't die, mm. uh, but well, yeah. we're pretty sure he does. Yeah, so it's, so, clear, it's clearly dinky here. Um, yeah. Probably kept yeah. up for a mile. Poor guy. Tough yeah. little mutt. Uh, and there, is, uh, there are no backhanded spit wipes. So I thought there was going to be one when uh, they have the, the car fixed by the two dudes in Arizona. Those mechanics certainly look yeah. like the type there, of guys that would have done yeah. it. There was definitely we... some spitting, but yeah. no spit wipes, unfortunately. So can't be referenced. Uh, okay, let's do the real category. So audio corner. I, I For me, it's no contest. It's the, the theme song. It's um, Yeah, yeah. It's Holiday Road. Holiday Road. Document, yeah. right? I mean, I've got that. And for a token, something else to talk about, I've got the Ferrari engine sound. But to yeah. be honest, that's great. But it's not Holiday Road by Lazy Bucking. I love that he does the opening credits and the end credits, yeah. uh, but Holiday Road is is actually genuinely yes. decent song. I think mm-hmm. I do want to mention back in the old days when I was a kid and I first saw this film, as I have already uh, alluded to, I was fairly obsessed with the Ferrari and I was fairly obsessed with Christy Brinkley, and the song that was playing when the car both times the car pulls up alongside the truckster was I'm So Excited by the Pointer Sisters. Mm -hmm. On my version, and I've got it on DVD and I bought it digitally, on both versions it is Little Boy Sweet by the Pointer Sisters, which is also the song that's playing at the rest area with the wet sandwiches. So they have removed I'm So Excited from from those scenes. Because I was only really made aware of that song being, you know, mid-teens as I was when I saw this, I didn't listen to The Point of Sisters. The only reason I knew this song existed was because of this movie. And I, you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even register that. But you're right. It was, it was yeah. that. And it's I mean, not I, that now, is it? I went out and bought 
a Pointer Sisters album because I loved I'm So Excited So Much directly because of this film. Yeah. And then they've taken it out. And I think it is a far better song for the Ferrari scenes yeah. than Little Boy Sweet. And I'm not making this up because in the credits, and, you know, at the end of the credits, they yeah. have the songs. I'm So Excited by the Pointer Sisters is in the credits. There we are. But it doesn't fe- feature in the film. So there. But we are unanimous. Audio Holiday Corner Road. award yeah. goes to Holiday <clears throat> Road. Agreed. Best looking scene. Well, to be honest, I think the US does a good enough job of, of becoming a pretty good backdrop for two of the scenes in particular for me. But Monument Valley wins. Uh, when they're in, um, there's a there's a shot when Clark, he's just gone off on his way to his uh, intrepid rescue <laughs> attempt. And it's just before the, the horseback guys rock up. Yeah. There's a real wide shot. And the great thing about that is not only is it an incredible place, but it gives you a, a great sense of scale because it mm-hmm. starts to zoom in to Clark mm-hmm. and you can't see him initially. And then you suddenly realise just how massive uh, this area is and how incredibly beautiful it is. Uh, that is um, That sticks out like a sore yeah, like thumb for me, mm-hmm. that scene. So um, that gets my vote. Yeah, good. I mean, I would. I'm tempted to put it in as well, but it, I've. I'm saving it for best location, uh, because uh, best looking scene for me is uh, the first time the Ferrari pulls up alongside the family truckster. Mm-hmm. There's. It must be a helicopter because drones didn't exist back then. There's a a helicopter shot keeping up from the side, keeping up with the truckster and the Ferrari, and the Ferrari pulls up alongside. Oh yeah, and yep. you can hear the engine revving, and it just looks amazing. And because they're moving really well. They seem to be moving really fast. The The sense of speed is great. And the helicopter is go, obviously going at the same speed as the cars. So there's a lot of like motion blur of the yeah. the scenery going, zooming past them. And I just think it's really well done. Yep. And uh, yeah, the car looks amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's my, uh, my shout for best looking scene. Monsieur Mendel Award for our favourite incidental character. There's two candidates. Oh, I'm torn. I'm going to go with Ed. I'm going to go with... Car salesman, played by Eugene Levy. Okay, I think he's. Uh, I think that's a really. He does it really well as well. It's it's really well acted. He makes that scene for me, uh, and he's. I'd like to see more of him in this film, but obviously that's not what this is about. Mm. So he get the other alternative, of course, is the cop yeah. get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and several amusing lines that he says during that that um, a conversation with Clark. But yeah, so for me, it's. Uh, Ed, the car salesman. I think there are incidental characters left and right in this film, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of them are great. I agree, Ed's great. Uh, I also want to mention the um, the man that works at Camp Comfort. Uh, that is played by Brian Doyle Murray, yes, who is, is yeah. uh, Bill Murray's brother, brother which I love. Right. He's also in uh, Christmas Vacation. As yes, his boss, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he's um, he's in. I'm uh, not. It's not. Chevy Chase film, obviously, but he's in Groundhog Day. He's mm-hmm. the mayor of uh, yep. Punxsutawney as well, which I love. <laughs> so he's wearing a Nixon Agnew badge. <laughs> I mean, I don't know when Nixon Agnew were were running, yeah. were running but it was got to be early seventies, I should think. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this is nineteen eighty three. So he's holding on pretty tight to the Nixon Agnew ticket, which I love. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's the cop. Uh, so he's played by James Keach, who is brother of Stacey Keach, who I think is slightly more famous. But uh, James Keach was married, or maybe he still is married, to, um, and her name's just gone. Jane Seymour? Jane Seymour, yeah. yes, thank you. 
Uh, so I know I'm bringing my mum back into this into the pod today. My mum's met James Keach. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> yeah, he he came into the chiropractor's office where where mum worked, and so they had a bit of a conversation. Uh, which I think it's, and they talked about me weirdly. Oh, that's so so my mum has spoken to James Keach about me, which is what so would random. you say to James Keach if you met him? Um, I would shake him by the hand and said, you know, like, like get out of the car. Yeah, I would just say, <laughs> but you know, I, we, I love the film so much. I don't know. I don't know what I'd say. I'd probably go all kind of starstruck and not be able to say anything. Yeah, because he's so good. Mm-hmm. He's so serious, and like properly plays the serious cop well Would but then, then the, he crumbles uh, ask him what the penalty for animal cruelty yeah. is in Do this you state know what the penalty for animal cruelty is in this state well it's probably pretty <laughs> stiff it's funny because neither do i yeah <laughs> you know what the penalty for animal cruelty is in this state no sir i don't well it's probably pretty stiff yeah, so for me, it's the cop. Uh, on his name badge, it says L. Wilson. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Luke, Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But for you, it's Ed. Yes. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, so this is where I'm going to talk about Monument Valley because for best location, it's hands down Monument Valley. Uh, you know, it's, we've seen yeah. it in lots of films. John Ford made many films in Monument Valley and it looks great everywhere. I have been to Monument Valley three times at least. Uh, I tried to go... A fourth time, but it was so foggy that and snowy that the the guys at the front de- gate said it's not worth coming in. Don't bother. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it's just an amazing place. I actually, I too got Monument Valley, but that's twice. So I feel like a bit of a cheat. So I'm going to say the motel. Which one? The motel. Sorry, the motel where he meets Christy Brinkley and oh, they okay. go swimming. Because yeah. I think that looks like a nice motel. Mm. I'm surprised. Like I say, we've already talked about the bar. It looks quite a nice bar. Yeah, a nice. Jazzy piano player. F- fancy piano fancy player, yeah. Piano player. Nice pool, seemingly nice pool. Cold. Cold. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with that because I think that is a surprisingly high-end motel. But actually, it's probably Monument Valley because that's probably one of the coolest places I've been to as well. So, yeah, um, yeah there we are. A couple of quick honourable mentions, if you like, in terms of location. I actually... Maybe this is just a sentimental choice for me. I like the rest area in Colorado, the wet sandwiches rest area, partly because it reminds me of taking road trips in the States and stopping in rest areas. You know, rest areas aren't nice by any stretch of the imagination, but what it represents is is a nice thing. Yeah. And then there is a shot when they are driving through the Rockies before they get to Camp Comfort, and it is a panning out wide shot of this road kind of winding through a valley in the mountains and it looks absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. uh, but no monument yep. valley wins for me yep so the souvenir prop or item from the film that you would like to own <clears throat> okay so it's a battle of license plates for me on this so nice. there, there are two license plates so the first one is we've talked about it already when uh it's the um the lou glutz motors <laughs> license plate i on, love that on the back of his uh on the back of the truckster. I love that you've got the name right as well. That's I just so good. need to check that. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously it's slightly bent after he's ripped it off <laughs> the car. So I think that wins. But a very close second is the the Ferrari uh, license plate, which says "Love Me" mm-hmm. on it. So yeah, I love that, of course. But Lou Glutz Motors wins for me. Really? That's yeah, the, I think that's so. the winner. It's really obscure. 
Yeah. Because, you know, if you have hang that on there on your wall, people are like, what the hell? That's the love me is slightly, people, it might mm. be a little bit on the nose. They won't look beyond the fact yeah, it says yeah. love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there we go. So, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of a geeky T-shirt. Yeah. I feel like a what, Lou Glutz, did you say? Oh, yeah, like That's a, a good, Glutz. like a Lou Glutz yeah. license plate T-shirt. That would be good. I would wear that. That would be cool. Someone must make that. Yeah. I'll have to look on uh, Etsy or something. So I have also got two souvenir choices and I'm still slightly undecided. So one option is the shoes, the of actual course. shoes, yep. not a replica pair of <clears throat> shoes. I would want the actual shoes. Would you wear them? No. No, I think you're right. They're, they're bad. But you have them somewhere, right? You, you show them off. You, yeah. Uh, just don't, but, don't put them in your wardrobe. People might think they're actually mm-hmm, your shoes yeah. rather than just a. Yeah. So, but I think I'm leaning. I think feel the shoes perhaps is a little bit obvious. So I think maybe I'm leaning, and this I'm going to piggyback off your souvenir from Christmas vacation because mm-hmm. you went with post attack garden Santa. Yes. So I think I'm going to go with post attack Marty Moose. Excellent. I want that's a big old souvenir. It is a big souvenir. Yeah, I'd have to have a big. It, well, look, I'm I'm figuring we've done this nine times now. This is our ninth recording, and we've apart from the fact that I selected a boat, you did have a yacht once. Yeah, yeah. so that won't fit in the room that I'm planning. But I mm-hmm. think I'm going to have a room with all my movie souvenirs. Okay, so I feel like post attack Marty Moose. Let's call him post punch Marty Moose. Okay, yeah, yeah. post yeah. post punch Marty Moose. I think actually with the sign, sorry folks, mm-hmm. we're closed. Even with the button that you push, and he will, he will, he will say, yeah, 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 that, yeah. So that's what I want. I think. Excellent. Okay, that is a good selection. Coolest look. I've already mentioned Eddie's shirt. I can't really see past it, but it is just a shirt. The rest of what he's wearing is terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's so, okay. It can be a look. You, you know. Nah, you I think I'm going to go with what Christy Brinkley is wearing. Yeah, the white ensemble. So. It's, Which one are we talking about? Because it's the one she gets out of essentially, okay. right? Right. So, um, but I mean, she's wearing well, like a jumpsuit, I think, earlier on in the in the Ferrari, and then at the rest stop. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, she. I mean, clearly, it's it's picked perfectly for her mm-hmm. by whoever dresses her, mm-hmm. or it might even be her. Who knows? Yeah, she looks stunning in that. So yeah, that's a that, good good yeah. shout. Actually, it's better than any shirt, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. So I've gone off the wall slightly with this one. So both Rusty and Audrey buy T-shirts at Dodge City. You only know this because they wear them later on. Yep. Rusty's T-shirt, it's so perfectly of a time. It's the it's a Boot Hill Cemetery T-shirt from <laughs> Dodge City. It's kind of this, it's almost like a not quite tan, Not quite, it's kind of a really light khaki almost yep. colour mm-hmm. with... Darker brown, like piping and, and rings on the on the sleeves and the the neck, and then the boot hill is in this kind of uh, almost like rainbow colored like text, yeah. and I just think like retro stuff can come back in fashion every once in a while, and I just think it works, and I just think <laughs> buy yourself one of those t shirts as well. Yeah, I, I really the, uh... like Rusty's Boot Hill Cemetery t shirt. So um, excellent. I did also write down uh, Eddie's shirt, the brown with the swishes. Yep. Um, Clark wears a light blue suit at the beginning of the film as well, which I he think does is, when he's picking is, the car. Yeah, 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 I think that's yeah. quite nice. Uh, and then I, I also, of course, mentioned the piano player, mm-hmm. um, but I think not maybe almost not the piano player would be my, my ironically mention. so. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, the um, for me it's Rusty's t-shirt. Cool. 
All right. And time for our closing credit. Yeah, this one's fairly straightforward. There are... The credits are short. And I feel like this is turning into the Christy Brinkley podcast. But hey, that's not such a bad thing, right? Right. Um, So it is Girl in the Red Ferrari. I don't know why they need to say Red Ferrari. There is... (laughs) There are no other Ferraris. And interestingly, I've already mentioned she uh, reprises her role in Vegas Vacation, where she's known as Woman in Ferrari. Okay. So, so maybe it's not the same person. Yeah. I mean, it is a red Ferrari as well. But oh, yeah. but anyway, it is uh, Christy Brinkley in A Girl in the Red Ferrari. So it's a simple one this week, folks, but um, tough picks. She's. I mean, it's a it's a tough category for um, MVP this year or this this year, this episode. Yeah. Uh, but now you. It sounds like Christy Brinkley is MVP of the. I think so. Of the podcast. Uh, Huzzah. Right. Okay, uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. And and cheerio from me. Next time we'll be talking about Ridley Scott's Alien. Maybe give it a watch if you want to join along, but don't forget the small stuff.